to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. And our text for today, uh, you might just want to use your bulletin, actually. So we're going to look at Psalm 86, and since, um, you, know, you know, I don't, I don't like to give you the text. We don't put the text in the bulletin so that you actually can open your Bibles. But again, because this is a psalm, it's in the Coverdale translation, um, because that makes it easier for responsive reading. So it wouldn't read exactly like your ESV, but if you have your ESV and you want to use it, that's fine. Or you could use a prayer book in front of you. If, you're, if you have one of those in the pew, and I think each pew has one, um, you could find Psalm 86 in that. Don't make notes in those prayer books. Um, or you could also use that, which we read, out of the bulletin. So some options for you today. Let's pray. Almighty God. You know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities that may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts that may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, our collect for the day says, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. So our collect for the day actually sets up this psalm for us um, in fine fashion. So this is our second lesson in our series called But God. Um, some of us were talking a few days ago about the balance between having confidence in whose we are, the confidence in your, that assurance of your faith, and then the, the humility. I think a proper response for that confidence is not taking advantage of our position in the family, but we actually have humility as we approach the throne. This is, there's a bit of a balance here. So we should not presume upon God's grace, but we humbly approach Him with our needs. But we, I think may need some help in just that. We need a little encouragement to know that we can approach him with our needs. And so this is kind of what we're going to look at uh, as we walk through this psalm. As we approach him in humble fashion, we are resting in the fact that he really, really, really wants to hear from his children. Now many of you with your young children, I'm sure at times you would like to have them go to another room and just be quiet for a little bit. But for us, where our children are all grown and out of the house, we frequently wish we could hear from our children, and especially when we're actually trying to communicate. And as you send out your message to them, you're like, will they ever respond to us? Well, we desire to hear from our children. Well, our Heavenly Father desires to hear from his children, from us, from you. Our world is full of distress and uncertainty, and more so all the time. Just as we were turning the corner from the whole COVID 
issues with the masks and with the vaccines and all those things, then it's like today your dollar doesn't buy what it did a year ago. Today your dollar doesn't buy what it did two weeks ago. And things seemingly are getting only worse. That cruel agent of the devil, Putin, decided to attack Ukraine, bombing children's hospitals and what have you, like a real coward. He has wreaked havoc on, yes, Ukraine. Then he's instilled fear and dread in people all around the world. And all of those actions even affect us and makes our world here uncertain. So I think there are many ways we may be able to relate to David, um, who was a shepherd turned king some 3,000 years ago, As he approached the Lord through this psalm, I think we will be able to relate to how he uh, brought his petitions before the Lord. So in this passage today, we can take our deepest concerns to the Lord and find our rest from a weary world in him because his nature is always to have mercy. So the first thing we're going to see is we need to be earnest in our petitions. Uh, Some would call this a prayer psalm. The first few verses of this psalm um, are a series of petitions from David. He makes a petition, then he gives the grounds for the petition. I'm going to ask you this, and I'm telling you why. Why I'm able to ask. So, verse 1, he says, Bow down your ear, O Lord, and hear me. So, David is pleading with the Lord to stoop down... And listen to him because he is desperate. He says, for I am poor and in misery. Verse 2 says, preserve my life. His distress is caused by his enemies trying to bring him to an early death. King David's third son, Absalom, raised up an army and was trying to take control of the kingdom away from David. Absalom was ungrateful. Absalom was self-centered. He was disobedient. He knew what he wanted, and he was going to go and take it. I wonder where Absalom might have caught that trait. This Absalom's rebellion came about 12 years after David's great sin with Bathsheba where David saw, he desired, and then he took for himself Uriah's wife. David's sin had been forgiven by this point, but he is suffering the earthly consequences still for repercussions of that sin. And I think this is kind of an important detail, and especially in our kind of our our health and wealth mentality, even if you've not been under a health, wealth kind of gospel preacher, we still think that when we come to Christ, things are just going to be simply better. Well, it could be that your sin in your earthly life, can you be forgiven? Yes. Can you outsin God's grace? No. But that doesn't mean you won't have to contend with the outcome or results of, or the repercussions of, your sin 
for all of your remaining earthly life. So this is what David was doing here at this time. The rest of verse 2 says, May God... Uh, am I in two? I think I'm in two. May God save your servant who puts his trust in you. So he's thinking God will surely save him and not let him perish at the hands of the enemy because he trusts in the Lord. David pleads for mercy. In verse 3 he says, Be merciful unto me, O Lord, because of his persistence. He says, For I will call, for I will call daily upon you. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving up. This is not a one-time call. I'm coming back and back and back. Comfort the soul of your servant, verse 4. David is in great distress, and he is looking for the, Lord's, the Lord of lords, the one true God, Yahweh, to comfort his soul. He's not looking to another. He calls himself the Lord's servant because, he says, in the remaining of four, he says, For you, O Lord, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. He is pleading his allegiance. He will not lift his soul to another. Verse 5 says, For you, Lord, are good and gracious and of great mercy to all those who call upon you. So David calls out the character of God, an attribute of God. He's, he's talking about his goodness. God is good. He is gracious. And his great mercy on those who turn to him. His nature is to always have mercy. In the midst of your distress, are you willing to call upon the Lord and present your heartfelt requests to him? Will you bear your soul before the Lord, the one who, the only one who fully knows all of you? Putin is one who saw, desired, and took what he wanted. I ran across an Arabic proverb the other day that read, they asked the Pharaoh, what made you a tyrant? He said, no one stopped me. Putin is that Pharaoh at this point. He is instilling fear and dread in people all over the world, not only in Ukraine, and when fear and dread come into your life, where do you turn? To whom will you turn? Is it going to be for more like self-medication? Is it going to be more shopping, more vacations, for more time off, isolation, drawing away from people so that you can just simply be alone and not be harassed by other people? What will it be? Here's this plea that we would turn away from the fixes of the world and turn to the Lord. David remembered another psalm that he wrote earlier, and it's whose verse we have on our front cover of our bulletin. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see, David... David knew what it was to suffer. He knew, what it, he knew what persecution was. He knew he's fearing for his life. So whatever your distress may be, 
you can take your comfort in the Lord as David did. Turn to the Lord who is gracious. Lift your soul to the one true God. And then be a nag about it. Be a jackhammer. Keep those petitions before the Lord day and night, day and night. Trust in the one who is truth. Be willing to acknowledge how needy you are. In humility, present your earnest petitions before the Lord. In 6 through 10, we're going to see the ground of David's confidence. He says, Give ear, Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my humble supplications. In the time of my trouble, I will call upon you, for you answer me when I call. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord, nor are there any deeds like yours. All nations that you have made shall come and worship you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. Indeed, you are God alone. David's petitions are grounded in the nature of God, of who he is. He is the only true God. In times of trouble, David realized who God is, and then he gained confidence as he remembered that Yahweh is merciful and gracious to those who turn to him. From verse 5, we read that. He knew that God would hear him and answer his prayer. So he's in the midst of trouble, so he remembers who God is, and then he has confidence that he will hear and answer his prayer. That there is, there is none like our God. All rivals cannot compare. His power is made manifest in his glorious creation and recreation. So in the midst of your distress, remember and remind yourself who the Lord really is. As you recall his truth, your confidence will grow in him. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim, both your joys and your sufferings. To wrap up the psalm, David turns to a prayer for guidance and protection. Verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. O knit my heart to you, that I may fear your name. May this be your prayer. May this be our prayer. David is not satisfied with learning and knowing the truth. He expects to be conformed to it. He expects his life to be conformed to the word of God. He says, I will walk in your truth. So he's desiring true allegiance. He's not, he's not desiring lip service. He's, de he's desiring true allegiance with no wavering. And I would encourage you in this season of Lent, don't miss this opportunity to do just that. To put on some Lenten practices where you can put into place some rhythm so that you are growing closer to conformity to the Lord's desires, to the Lord's will. This week I was talking with a friend who practices fasting during Lent. He, uh, he cuts way down on meals 
regularly, like all the regular meals on the regular days, there's one day a week he actually fasts for the day, eats a small snack and that's it. And he says that this rhythm makes him looking, it makes him look forward to Sundays because Sunday is the feast day. Well, this, and this is something, obviously, I don't practice much fasting, but I appreciate where as he, as he grows hungry, he's thinking of the Lord. As he's desiring what he once would have held dear, and he's, not, and, he's, and he's refraining from having it, he thinks about what the Lord is calling him into. And then he's looking forward to this glorious celebration that's going to happen on Sunday. So he gets to come and celebrate in the house of the Lord. He gets to come to the table. He gets to feast at the table. And then he goes home, and then he gets to eat. And it's this rhythm that makes him look forward to Sundays. And I think that's pretty neat because it's conditioning him and these things are to condition us so that we are in this rhythm of looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth. So that we are not so caught up in the moment of our suffering or our pain that we forget that things are going to be glorious one day. So I think that's pretty neat. I, would not, um, I, would, I just want to encourage you to not miss this opportunity through the season of Lent. You know, and as we've talked about, it doesn't gain you favor with God, but if it's going to help shape and form you to be more in conformity to God or to God's word or to Christ, then these things would be good. This, uh, it's this rhythm that helps us look forward to the new heavens and the new earth while still slugging it out here on this fallen planet. Verse 12 says, I will thank you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will praise your name forever. For great is your mercy toward me. You have delivered my life from the nethermost pit. O God, the, the proud have risen up against me, and the company of violent men have sought after my life, and have not set you before their eyes. David is contrasting the evils in this world, the evil ones in this world, who want to do him harm, with the goodness of God. This is where that worship restores perspective. Many of the worldly pressures are designed for our demise. Life can be hard. Life can be unfair. Life can be cruel. Leaving us anxious and empty. But then we come to 15, our but God verse. And he says, but you, O Lord, but you, O Lord God, are full of compassion and mercy, long-suffering, plenteous in goodness and truth. David's quoting Exodus 34, 6 here. And as he's doing so, so he's, he's, David's in distress. The people are after him. And he's concentrating on the word of God who tells him who God is. So as he's, as he's referencing Exodus 34, he's, he's in the Word of God. And then he's concentrating on the character of God. I think that this is a very simple, but I think often missed practice where you and I can take hold of this and practice it in our lives. The enemies are chomping at the bit to get to him. And he knows what he's done in his past. He's not, he's not 
necessarily being haunted by his past. He's received forgiveness from the things he did in his past, but he knows he doesn't deserve it. But he occupies himself with the revealed character of God. You're full of compassion and mercy, long-suffering, plenteous in goodness and truth. He will surely not let him be devoured by his enemies. We have a um, piece of our liturgy that lots of, lots of times is included in a service. Um, we, not lots of times for us. We, you, there is so much liturgy, some things just I leave out. This is an excellent piece of liturgy, and it would help form and shape us if we were to actually re- read this and recite this on a weekly basis. But we don't. But it's the um, prayer of humble access before coming to the table. And it reads like this. We do not presume to come to this, your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather the crumbs from under your table, but you are the same Lord whose character or nature is always to have mercy. So we re- if we were to practice this uh, prayer of humble access, if we were to pray that, we would be reminding ourselves that we don't deserve this, but it's by the gracious work of Christ that we are welcomed into the family. What is it or who is it that occupies your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings when you are in distress? Run, run your contrast sheet, if you will. You, you call out the evil one's enemies that are against you, but then occupy your mind with who God is. Occupy your mind with the revealed character of God. So when your, anxi- when your anxiety starts stirring, occupy your minds with the character of God. I intended to... Uh, paste in my verse from, from that Jesus says, don't fear those who could kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the soul. So when we're talking about our distresses, I'm trying, I'm trying to think through like how great those might be. Well, if you have some, if, you, if you're running for your life, that's a pretty great distress. I think still, even that great, however great that distress is, you don't fear the one who can kill the body, but you fear the one who can kill the soul. So with that, you still run to the Lord and you concentrate on who he is and it will bring peace in you and give you new perspective. 16 says, O turn then unto me and have mercy upon me. Give your strength unto your servant and help the son of your handmaiden. So finally, David pleads one more time for mercy. Not only based on, the, on God's nature to have mercy, but of who he is, David. And this, this is a point that I just, um, I would say I don't emphasize well enough. I, I try to emphasize who God is, and I, I want to bring, uh, when we're in, into whatever passage, I want to bring out, 
what God is doing, who God is in this passage. But I think this is very critical, a very critical point. David is appealing to who he is, who David is. You can appeal to who you are. And here's what I mean by that. He's, David says he's, the, the, he's calling out to the Lord for mercy. And he says, have mercy on me because you want to have mercy upon the son of your handmaiden. Well, David's mother was a God-fearing woman, a follower of God. David is appealing to the covenant faithfulness of the Lord. For those in the covenant, the Lord has promised that he would bless those who bless you and that he would curse those who curse you. So as a child of the covenant, as a child of Abraham, you have access to the one true God, the God of all creation, the God who wants to hear from you. The God whose nature is to always have mercy. You have been adopted into the family. You have been given the family name. You have been seated at the table to eat with the Lord. You have access. This is glorious news. This is a glorious reminder. We approach him in humility. We approach him with honesty. Because we can trust that he is ready to hear and that he is ready to answer our prayers because of who he is. We recognize that we have the access because of who we are as children of the covenant. So when you feel attacked in the world through minor or devastating circumstances, cling to the Lord. But you, O Lord, are full of compassion and mercy, long-suffering, plenteous in goodness and truth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.